You are listening to the Impact Church Podcast. To learn more about Impact Church, visit us online at impactharlem.org. You can also check us out on social media. I'm so excited to be back with you guys this morning. Uh, We started a brand new series last week called The Time Is Now. And we we started digging into an ordinary guy by the name of Nehemiah. And we looked at something that just burdened his heart. It really just broke his heart. And we saw how he reacted and how when God places a burden in our hearts, how we should respond to that. And we had three points last week. And those points were realize that we have a burden, we rely on God through prayer, and then we respond in action. And I feel like if we just kind of move forward from there without explaining that further, then we're really not catching the whole picture. So this morning, what I really want us to do is look at that last point of responding in action, and I want us to see what that looks like. I really want us to have a blueprint for what the action really kind of looks like, the form it takes, and how we can really apply that in our life. So we finished up last week reading Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. So I want to start with that this morning, and I want us to, to see four things that we could do to actually start doing the work and start the action. Uh, in our own lives. So if you're taking notes this morning, I'm going to just jump straight in to point number one. Point number one is this. We must seek God continuously. We must seek God continuously. We see that Nehemiah prayed around a dozen times through the book of Nehemiah. He just constantly, consistently just sought after God. There was a theme in his life of sincere, intimate, crazy, powerful prayer. And I want us to to get that this morning. So let's look at Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1. It says, In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. So let me, let's backtrack just a little bit. So last week we saw that Nehemiah received the news that His hometown was still in shambles. It was still destroyed. The people still weren't doing well in the month of Kislev. So we we talked about how that was November-ish, December, uh, our time. And so now we see that in the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, when wine was before him, I took up the wine and gave it to the king. So here's the deal. The month of Nisan was about four months after the month of Kislev. So we see that Nehemiah, he mourned and he fasted and he prayed. We saw that last week. He did this for four months. He truly just began to seek after God and he did it continuously. Now, if you know me, you know I love dad jokes. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you one. And again, every time I give you a dad joke, you are more than free to use it. So the month of Nissan, right? I'm going to give you a dad joke about a Nissan. Here it is. Are you ready? So what kind of phone does a Nissan use? 
a Nokia. <laughs> okay, so here we go. The, the thing that we have to get and we have to catch and we have to understand today is that Nehemiah, once he heard this news, once the burden was let into his life and once he let it into his heart and once it truly began to break his heart and he truly sat down and he, he cried about it, he truly began to pray and rely on God. The prayer lasted for four months. And I know last week we talked about that we can't just keep holding prayer meeting after prayer meeting after prayer meeting and never taking action. But on the flip side of that, we must bathe the burden in prayer. And Nehemiah literally spent four months seeking after God. He was asking God to guide his steps. This was something that was huge. I want you to understand this morning that Nehemiah was an ordinary person. He wasn't a pastor. He wasn't a priest. He wasn't a prophet. Nehemiah was just an ordinary guy. And he was about to, to, to deliver some pretty bad news to the king. And in his time, you didn't deliver bad news to the king. The cupbearers wanted to, to deliver good news and bring joy to the king. So this was something that was going to be difficult for Nehemiah, just to approach the king about maybe sending him to go rebuild the city. So what did he do? The first thing he did was he prayed, and he continued to pray, and he bathed it in prayer. So number one, when we are going to take action, we must seek God continuously. It says this, continue reading on in verse 1. It says, Now I had not been sad in his presence. So he had never been sad in the king's presence before. Verse 2, And the king said to me, Why is your face sad, seeing you are not sick? This is nothing but sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, Let the king live forever. Why should not my face be sad when the city, the place of my father's graves, lies in ruins and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what are you requesting? Now watch this. So I prayed to the God of heaven and I said to the king. Let's stop right there. He says, so I prayed to the God of heaven. Now this prayer wasn't a four-day prayer retreat type prayer. This was what I like to call a popcorn prayer. And here's the deal. When we're walking intimately and closely with Jesus... And we've already had the time of prayer and we've already bathed the burden in prayer. Then these little popcorn prayers are something that works really well for us because we're already closely walking with Jesus. We are living in his will. We're doing what he wants us to do. We've already bathed the situation in prayer and it makes it that much easier to walk in life and to continue to take steps and live a consistent life life and communion and communication and prayer with God. So we're not catching up on our prayer life at this moment. That's not what Nehemiah was doing. He wasn't catching up on his prayer life. He was already where he needed to be. And what I want us to see this morning, and we really have to get this, is I really hope that you've already began the four-month-long or however long the prayer lasts before you take action. I pray and I hope that you've already done that. 
You've already started to do that. That we're walking closely with Jesus. That we're living in His will. And we're doing what He wants us to do. And I want us to see this morning that there's nothing too big for God's power. And there's nothing too small for God's heart. He cares about everything in our lives. So when this burden sinks in and we're ready to take action, the first thing that we must do is to seek God continuously. Number two is this. We must define clearly. We must define clearly. Look at verse 5. It says, And I said to the king, If it pleases the king, and if your servant has found favor in your sight, watch this, that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. One statement. His vision was clear. He defined it clearly. He says that you send me to Judah, to the city of my father's graves, that I may rebuild it. I think that a lot of people's problems isn't a caring problem. It's a clarity problem. So we could care about something, but we just don't know how to clearly define it. For example, if your burden is kids, then ask yourself, what kids? What age are the kids? What do I care about? Is it homelessness? Is it uh, school related? Is it they don't have food? They don't have other necessities of life? Narrow it down. Where are these kids out? Are they in your city? Are they in your state? Are they in your country? Are they in another country? So we have to begin to ask these questions so that we can clearly define the vision. I heard a leader say one time that if you can't define it, you can't do it. If you can't define it, you can't do it. So we must define clearly. It's so important for us to understand not just what the burden is and what the passion is that God's given us, but that we understand it in detail and that we can truly define what it is. And this morning, these are just practical steps. I really want us to, to understand the blueprint of how to begin to take action, how to really begin to live in the calling that God has placed in our life. And the first thing we must do is seek God continuously. The second thing we must do is define clearly. And number three is this, we must plan carefully. We must plan carefully. Let's continue reading in verse six. It says, and the king said to me, and then in parentheses it says, the queen sitting beside him. Very important. How long will you be gone and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me when I had given a time. So here's Nehemiah. It doesn't say the time that he gave, but he planned carefully. He gave a specific time that he would return. How often do we truly sit down and plan what we're going to do in life? Now, if you ask my wife, she would tell you that I don't ever plan, that I just kind of go all willy-nilly. I don't think that that's the truth. I believe that I do plan. Um... So if you see her, don't listen to her when it comes to this kind of stuff. Listen, listen to me. And I want to get fairly serious with you. We're still practical, but I want you to get this because this is important. A dream without a plan 
It's just a wish. So a dream without a plan is just a wish. Listen, we sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is get organized. Like God is a God of order. We live in a solar system. There's seven days in every week. There's not 380 days a year. Like there's a there's an order to things. God is a God of order. He's a systematic God. Sometimes the most spiritual thing we can do is just get organized in our thoughts and our plans. And what's Nehemiah do? So he sets a time and then in verse seven, it says, and I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let letters be given me to the governors of the province beyond the river that they may let me pass through until I come to Judah. And a letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's force, that he may give me timber to make beams for the gates of the fortress of the temple and for the wall of the city and for the house that I shall occupy. And the king granted me what I asked for the good hand of my God was upon me. So here's the deal. Nehemiah asked for provision and protection. He plans it carefully. He knows that he's going to need letters to enter these places safely. He knows that he can't provide resources. So he's going to the one person that he knows can help him get these things. He carefully plans the action. How often in life do we just go all willy-nilly and just try to try to start moving with no plan? With no plan whatsoever. We just do it and think, man, this is going to work out great. Then we start the work and realize And this isn't working out like I thought. Like, I don't get it. I know God's calling me to do it. I don't even really know what he's calling me to do because I haven't defined it very clearly. But I know he's calling me. And we have no plan whatsoever. And we expect it to turn out good. Listen, God is a God of order. So the first thing we must do when we take action is we must seek God continuously. Number two is we must define clearly. And number three is we must plan carefully. Now, when it comes to planning, we don't have to have the perfect plan. So that's not what I'm telling you. So hear my heart. It's not that you have to have the perfect plan. So one of the leaders that I listen to his podcast all the time, and this is what he tells people about a a good plan. He says, do the next right thing. To him, that's a good plan. And I think that's a good place for us to start. So we don't don't have to know the whole plan. But if we do the next right thing, then we can do the next right thing and the next right thing until the plan begins to fully come together and we can see what's happening. So number four is this. We must inspire courageously. We must inspire courageously. If we jump down to verse 17, this is Nehemiah, uh, his, his people kind of getting a little concerned and overwhelmed, and maybe they're just not so sure anymore. And it says, Then I said to them, You see the trouble we are in, how Jerusalem lies in ruins with its gates burned. So first of all, he is authentic. Nehemiah tells the truth. They're in trouble, and he tells them, hey, we're in trouble. He doesn't try to push that under the rug. He doesn't try to hide that. 
He says, hey, you see the trouble we're in. The city is all jacked up, and this is where we are. This is the truth. And I want to warn you, the next week is going to be a challenging week for us because we're going to see that as we start doing God's work, that we're going to face a lot of opposition. And that's just the reality. And we're going to look at how Nehemiah responded to that opposition. And I really think it's going to encourage us to keep going. But when you're doing this work that God's called you to do, and you have started to seek God continuously, you've defined clearly, and you've planned carefully, then you must inspire courageously. You have to inspire other people. Nehemiah goes on to say, Come, let us build the wall of Jerusalem that we may no longer suffer. And I told them of the hand of my God that had been upon me for good and also of the words that the king had spoken to me. And they said, let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. Listen, you have to inspire people with the fact that you know God's called you to do this. You've been seeking after him. You've been praying. You've bathed the the burden and the the heartache and the, the passion in prayer. And you're just seeking continuously. You've defined it clearly. You know exactly what it is God's calling you to do. You know it. You've defined it. And you've started to plan carefully. You've asked for things that you need. You're doing the next right thing. It's not just a wish anymore. It's not a dream without a plan. It's actually a a passion with a plan. And you tell people how God's in the work. And I know that things don't look so good right now. I know that the city is still torn apart. I know that we don't have all the resources we need. I know that we don't have the the people that we need. I know that we don't have the protection that we really want, but let me tell you about the hand of God in this already. Let me tell you what the king's already done. The king's already given us letters for protection. He's already given us letters for resources and provision, and God is already working in the situation. We inspire people courageously. So I don't know about you this morning. Again, I don't know what your burden is. I don't know what breaks your heart. It could be a multitude of things. But I know that God's called you specifically to do something. And my question for you this morning is, have you began to seek after him continuously about the burden? Have you defined it? Do you know what it is? Have you actually defined it clearly? And have you began to plan carefully? And have you inspired others to join in what God is doing? Now I'm going to give you an example this morning that's just a practical example. So we see this example of Nehemiah and how And he prays for four months and he begins to define clearly, hey, send me 
to Judah to, to rebuild the city. He plans carefully by setting a time of return. He asks the king for letters, for protection and provision. And then he inspires people by saying, hey, I'm being authentic. I'm being transparent. I know that it doesn't look good. I know that we're in trouble. However, God's already been working, and I know that he's faithful to continue to do so. That's, that's what we see here in Nehemiah. And a, another practical example for you, and, and I want to share this with you because I want you to see that it doesn't have to be as big as rebuilding uh, an entire city. Again, remember that there's nothing too big for God's power. There's nothing too small for God's heart. Like He cares about everything. He cares about your burden, whether you think it's big or small. Like He's specifically giving it to you. He's specifically calling you to do something. And here's the blueprint. But think about this. We, we have a, a new church, right? Impact Church. It's, it's fairly new. We just launched in January. And I knew that God had called me to, to plant a church. I told you about my burden last week of just seeing how church leaders and church people and uh, just the churches that I had been a part of growing up and in my later teens, how they just pushed people away from Jesus by the way that they acted and treated them and judged them and and I just, that burdened me. And that's when God started to really place on my heart about church planting. I didn't even know what church planting meant. I didn't even know what it looked like. I didn't even really know it was a thing. I just thought, hey, I think one day we can start a church and we don't have to act like this. And I was young. I was probably 19 years old. But you know what I didn't do? At that time, I didn't really let it in. I didn't let it sink in. I didn't let it break my heart. I just knew that I didn't like it. And I knew God had placed that in, in me for some reason, but I didn't really do anything with it. So I go through college and I end up at a, another church that is kind of doing the same thing. And God's just continuously bringing it up in my heart. I end up on staff at a, another church. That's a fairly new church, about two years old. And then I start hearing a lot about what church planting is and what it means. And I'm going to conferences about church planting. And, and it's really starting to get real. And I finally let it in. I finally allowed it to break my heart the way that people were being pushed away from Jesus because of quote unquote Christian leaders in the church. It finally started to break my heart. And I started to pray about it and pray about it and pray about it and pray about it. But I never really defined it clearly. So I step out and start a church plant with no clear vision and no really good plan. And I really wasn't inspiring other people. So I was missing the blueprint. I had the burden. I had let it in. I had prayed about it, but I didn't go about it the right way. So what happened to that church? Let me tell you, it's, 
it wasn't impact. It was a different church that didn't work out because I didn't have the right blueprint. I just didn't do the right things. So fast forward after more and more years of prayer, God finally says, hey, it's time. And you're going to realize that as you pray, the, the time of your prayer is just not going to be the same as everyone else's. Maybe what God's called you to do, you pray for two months and boom, God's ready for you to do it. Or maybe you pray for two years. Maybe you pray for five years or six years or seven years. But you're going to know when it's time to act. So what was different about Impact Church? This is what was different. Not only did I seek God continuously, I defined the vision clearly. I knew what God was telling us to do. He was telling us to start a church where people could know God's love, grow in God's love, and show God's love to the world. That was it. That was the vision. It was defined. And then we started to plan carefully. We started to do research and read books about planting churches. We started listening to other church planters through podcasts and seminars and conferences. And we began to truly plan carefully. And then we started to inspire people courageously. And again, next week we're going to see that there's going to be opposition that comes when you start doing God's work. And I'm here to tell you that we had some opposition. And when you're doing what God's called you to do, you're going to have opposition. There's going to be distractions. There's going to be a lot of stuff that's just in your way. And your job is to inspire people and let them know what God's already done in the process. So we began to to inspire people and to share the clear vision and to share the careful plans. And when opposition would come, we would know that, first of all, that it's a good thing because opposition really wouldn't come if we weren't doing God's work. But two, we knew that we had to just keep pushing forward and we're going to see that next week, how we can just keep pushing and pushing and pushing and doing God's work and saying, hey, I don't care what you throw at me. We're doing what God's called us to do. And we inspire those around us to know that God is working, He's been working, and He's going to continue to work. He's going to continue to draw people unto Himself through this ministry, not because of impact, not because of Dustin, not because of one specific person, but because God is working through our faithfulness and through our practical steps to live out His calling on our lives. And where are you this morning? The time is now for us to begin to do these things. Not just for us to allow the burden in and to pray and to act, but when we do finally take action, we need to understand that there's a blueprint to follow. We can't just go out and just start doing it without clearly defining, carefully planning, and then inspiring people, all while continuously seeking after God. And we should be walking so closely with God that it's easy for us to define 
the vision clearly. And the plans become easier to make because we're just walking in God's will. And then we inspire others, not because we're inspirational. And you can ask my kids, like, I'm not that inspirational. But we can inspire people because we just show them and remind them of what God is doing and who He is. And don't lose sight of the fact that God is doing the work. He's just using us to do it. I'm going to close with this. And this may scare you a little bit, and that's okay. It still scares me. If what you're trying to do for God is something that you can do without Him, then you're not doing what He's called you to do. I'm going to say that again. If what you're trying to do for God is something that you can do without Him, then you're not doing what He's called you to do. What we do for God we should not be able to do on our own. And if your prayer isn't that God takes over and does something crazy and miraculous, then you're not praying big enough. And I know that may sound harsh to you. And that's not the way that I want you to take it. I love you. I want you to continue pressing forward. And I want us to begin to do what God's called us to do. The time is now for us to be who God's called us to be. Let's pray. God, we love you. We thank you. And I pray for people this morning. Help us to truly begin to live it out, to have a blueprint, to trust you, honor you, glorify you, and let you do the work through us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast. For this and other messages, visit us online at impactharlem.org. In the meantime, you can subscribe to this podcast, rate and review it on iTunes, and share it with your friends on social media. Once again, thanks for joining us at the Impact Church Podcast.